When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island Vibes. On 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Now here's your host, Frank McKay. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with a very special guest, a very talented musician, vocalist, multi-instrumentalist, and an actor. He is an icon in the sci-fi community and so many places. Bonds and Bonds is the name of the band and people know them. Actually, one of the earliest MTV songs, I believe Fish Heads, it was probably one of the first videos played that year. And you know his work from Lost in Space and The Twilight Zone. And I'll tell you, one of my favorite albums, I'm going to ask him about it, is Dying to Be Heard. And I think it was oh. yeah, just a, a great solo effort by Bill Moomy. And he is our very special guest. And Bill, how are you? Well, I'm real good, <laughs> Frank. It's nice to be here with you on the radio. Yeah, well, listen, it's terrific to have you. What's the latest with Barnes & Barnes? Well, as far as Barnes and Barnes goes, you know, every 10 years or so, my partner and I start <laughs> craving that craziness. <laughs> you know, we want to return to our characters, kind of a Laverne and Shirley type uh, mindset. And we've released uh, a new Holidays album called Holidays in Lumania on uh, demented punk records. And... Um, you know, every year it's the same old holiday songs that keep repeating themselves, and we figured it was time for some fresh material. So <laughs> uh, it's an album. It's available on vinyl. It's also available on CD and, of course, streaming and stuff. And it's 15 all-original new songs that cover a lot of Christmas territory and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa. There's Santa songs. There's uh, Krampus songs. There's angel songs. It, and of course, it gets pretty, uh, pretty weird along the way. <laughs> well, listen, as you would expect. Well, let me ask you something. So many actors will decide, hey, let me put out a record, or maybe back in the old days, in the 70s, or whatever, you'd, you know, an actor would get a lot of attention in the teen magazines, and they'd put out a, a bubblegum-sounding song. That's not the case with your music. And if you listen to, that's why I brought up Dying to Be Heard. I mean, it's, you know, it's a dynamite album. I don't know if that was your first solo album or your second. That was my first, yes, that was my first solo album. And, and uh, you know, sometimes when you're getting ready to release an, your original kind of solo project, you've got a, a catalog of, of, of songs that have maybe been lingering for a while. So I appreciate the kind words about that. That, that uh, the, the title song especially is a, is a strong song. I, I've always felt good Great about song. that. And of course, the ballad of William Robinson is also <laughs> on that album, which is, you know, a true folk song. But in terms of me, you know, uh, trying to be a musician, it, that goes all the way back to uh, when I was 10 years old and we were shooting the pilot to Lost in Space and uh, I had my guitar with me and I had only been playing for several months. And Erwin Allen, who was the creator and producer and director of Lost in Space, the pilot you know he thought well hey that's kind of cute maybe we'll 
we'll stick a little guitar thing in this campfire alien world scene. And so uh, that, that kind of began uh, an on-camera uh, connection between uh, me and music. And uh, I think I ended up playing five or six times on Lost in Space between the ages of 10 and 13. But my my passion as a as a person, you know, was was very strong in terms of my musical commitment from that age on. You know, it's in many ways unfair to look at you as an actor first, musician second, because, you know, you're a talented guy. And I'm not saying that simply because you're on the air here with us. You're a talented musician. People, I mean, you can play, you can sing, you can play different instruments, you write. You know, this isn't just an actor with a hobby. I mean, this is serious stuff. Even Bonds and Bonds, which is not, I mean, it's good stuff, but it's not meant to be. It's funny and it's so forth, but it's creative. There's a lot going on there. It's more than just a, you know, hey, let's throw a little comedy thing together. You've got a lot of thought there. You've created your own universe. And let me remind people that are just tuning in a little late or turning on their radios a little late. Frank McKay here with Bill Mooney, a very multi-talented guy. And people have known that since he's five years old. And the episodes of The Twilight Zone with Bill and it are the episode, Anthony. When Those have held up really well. You know, I did three of the original Twilight Zones and then a little cameo thing in the feature film. Then uh, we got to return to the Anthony Fremont character from It's a Good Life in 2003 with Cloris Leachman again when the uh, Twilight Zone came back for a short you know, run. And my, my own daughter, Liliana, uh, co-starred in that. So that was really like the cherry on the Sunday of my show business career in terms of, you know, how can it get much better than working with your daughter and going back to a character that's, uh, that's kind of been deemed you know, classic by society. Um, yeah, I've been, and I also wrote uh, one of the uh, newer Twilight Zones back then in, in the uh, 2003. So it's uh, Twilight Zones, a very, very uh, cool thing for, for me to be associated with. I, I feel like those original shows and, and certainly Rod Serling's vision uh, really stand up well. Yeah, well, the Anthony Fremont character, when you say classic, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. It's chilling. Even to this day, you watch him, and you're like, wow. I mean, this is a, just the writing behind that character. Who wrote the episode? Uh, Rod Serling wrote it. It's based on a short story, but uh, Rod wrote the tele- Mr. Serling wrote the teleplay. And yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's long enough in the past that when I see it now or for the last couple of decades, I guess, you know, you kind of see things objectively after all that time has passed and you're looking at a seven-year-old, you know, yourself as seven years old and you're, I guess you can see it kind of objectively after all this time. That's a really good show. The cast is so great. Cloris Leachman, I've worked with Cloris five times over the course of my career. And, you know, it's like jamming with... uh, a master jazz musician, you know, it brings, she brings your game up. If you get to act opposite Cloris, it's, it's such a joy and a treat and a privilege. And John, uh, you know, this is the whole cast of, uh, of that project. Really good stuff. What was your impression, if you had any at seven years old, of Rod Serling? Did you have a first impression? Did you have a lasting impression from that early on? Or was it just too... Uh, you know, no, I did. Yeah. I, I did because I was I was fortunate enough. The first episode I did was long distance call, where you know my 
grandmother gives me a toy telephone and then dies and starts communicating with me via the toy telephone to join her in you know the great unknown so to speak um and that was one of six twilight zone episodes that were uh done on videotape so they stand out from the entire catalog because cbs network and its brilliance wanted to cut the budget a little bit so for six episodes they went to tape but we 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 um we shot that show kind of live because it was videotaped so like a like a soap opera or something like an old playhouse 90 you shot it almost like a whole act at a time and rod serling was definitely there for the bulk of that uh those days of of taping i remember there's a great scene at the end of that episode where the father played by philip abbott um he picks up the toy telephone and and he he begs with his mother to not claim the life of his son and when we were taping that originally uh, everything stopped because rod serling thought quite rightfully that he could make that speech better and we just we everything just was put on pause and he walked off to the side of the sound stage for about a half an hour and rewrote that speech came back and it was just magical. I mean, it was platinum, you know, it was just so beautifully written. Another thing about Rod Serling, I, I, I will recall for you, is that because there was no uh, regular cast on The Twilight Zone, you know, every week it was a new new cast, nobody ever kind of got a big swelled head about being the star of The Twilight Zone. He was the star of The Twilight Zone. And whenever he came down onto the sets, Everyone from all the different departments, the prop department, the wardrobe department, uh, special effects, etc., they all were very eager to talk to him about the next script because they probably had a rough draft of it already. And he was so involved with every every aspect of the show. And he was very light. Uh, I remember him being a, a very uh, light and humorous and friendly and very approachable kind of guy. Of course, the personality that he projected on camera was, you know, more of a stolid and serious and kind of, you know, the black suit kind of guy. But um, in person, he was a very easy hang and very nice and light and friendly. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it was a treat to be around him. Just a treat to have this man as our guest, Bill Moomy. Uh, you know his work from Bonds and Bonds and and music and the generators too. Let's not forget the generators and, <laughs> yeah. and the solo. That's okay. We can forget the no, generators. No, no, no. Generators. That was cool. The generators dying to be heard is a must. Everyone's got to get this to kind of get the real feel for Bill Moomy musically. It's a great album. Just a great well, album. Well, thank you. I have a CD out. Uh, uh, it's a live album of a dozen original songs um, recorded in concert with Dave Perlman on pedal steel. It's just me on acoustic guitar and Dave Perlman on pedal steel. Uh, and Dave's played with everyone from, you know, Poco to the Everly Brothers. I mean, he's just a master yeah. at, of, of pedal steel. And it brings the tunes to a whole different arrangement, a nice level. So I'm, I'm actually pleased with that. It strips it down. You know, just to the way a song is written with me and an acoustic guitar, but the addition of the pedal steel really takes it to a nice new place. Yeah. How's my memory? Dave took over for Rusty Young. 
right? Uh, oh, yeah. Poco. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Wow. yeah. That's very good. I'm impressed, Frank. <laughs> I've had Rusty on in the past, and he's an interest. Anybody from Poco is interesting. And, and Dave sure. And I used to go see Poco all the time. I actually saw their first gig when they were Pogo. Uh, no kidding. What a great band live. Wow. Again, Bill Moomy here with Frank McKay, and you know his work from The Twilight Zone and Lost in Space. Do you remember the first time as a young kid, and was it after the Anthony Fremont character or a long-distance call, do you remember the first time you were recognized by strangers? And did it freak you out? Did it set you back? Did it thrill you? I mean, what was the first time, when was the first time that you were recognized by strangers on the street, and what was your reaction? I don't. I can't really point to a specific time. One of one of the things that I, I think is a little interesting about my career was I worked for five or six, five and a half years, very, very prolifically before going into the television series Lost in Space. So, you know, I would go work on it let's say a Disney movie for three months and then I'd go to an Alfred Hitchcock and a Munsters and a Gunsmoke and a Half Gun Will Travel and a Dr. Kildare and then another Disney thing. It was a it was a great opportunity to work with uh, some of the greatest talents in all different arenas of style of acting and, and show business. Jack Benny and Bob Hope and Bridget Bardot and Jimmy Stewart and, you know, uh, I could go on and on with all these names. But because I wasn't tied down to a series, uh, I appeared on all these different projects constantly. I must have worked uh, maybe thirty-five weeks a year, as a little, as a, from the age of six to you know seventeen. Um, and I and until Lost in Space started, I was in and out of public school because I wasn't under contract to a, a show. I was in and out, so I would go to my regular school for a week, then I'd be gone for a month, then I'd be back for two weeks, then I'd be gone for a week. So everybody from kindergarten on that was in my neighborhood and was in my school system, so to speak, were absolutely acclimated to me coming and going from the very beginning of it all. So the people that I saw and related to, they didn't really treat me, you know, special. It wasn't like oh, this guy's on TV. It was just like, okay, you know, Billy comes and goes. <laughs> and half the stuff I was doing in those days, you know, was on at 9 or 10 o'clock at night or something. So they didn't see it anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I never really felt too weird about being on TV. And I always enjoyed it. You know, it was my, I wasn't pushed into it. My my mother and father were very supportive of my energy. And... um you know, my dad was a reasonably well-off kind of guy, and he invested my money for me that I was making well. And, you know, I don't have any sob stories of child actor problems. Uh, I was happy doing what I was doing. And, and when Lost in Space came along, I, I, I couldn't have loved that more every day of my life. I mean, well, let me, let me interject this. Sure. Lost in Space Season 2 starts on Netflix. It, you know, it's running, and... Uh, I'm very happy to continue to be a part of Lost in Space. So that was never anything but positive for me. But when Lost in Space became the hit that it was, you know, we're we're going back in time now to where there was no internet, there was no DVR, there were no cable channels. There was just 
basically the three networks of CBS, NBC, and, and ABC, and then a few little regional stations that you would get till about midnight at night. Uh, basically, approximately 40 million people watched Lost in Space every week when it wow. was originally airing. You know, it's, it, it was comparative to today's numbers. It's huge, right? So uh, when Lost in Space started airing, that's when, you know, I noticed everybody's looking at me. You know, if I went to the park or uh, if we were just, you know, on the weekend going to the beach and body surfing and doing all of that stuff that I did with my friends just because, you know, I always just was a regular kid. But it was lost. It was lost in space years where I realized, oh, yeah, you know, you didn't really think about it. Your first your first twitch is like, why are they looking at me? Oh, and then you go, oh, oh, right, 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 lost in space. Okay, that's cool. One time I went to Disney. You know, I never, it's funny, because I never really thought at the time to pull rank or schmooze myself. I used to go to Disneyland every year during the summer with my my dad would say, okay, pick a friend. (laughs) And he would take me and whatever friend I picked to Disneyland, uh, and he'd get, we'd get a hotel room two rooms, you know, and he'd drop us off at the park at like 10 in the morning or something. And then he'd say, okay, I'll meet you here in the, this part of the parking lot at, you know, nine o'clock or whenever the, the park closed, let's say from when I would say 12-ish on. Uh, and I never thought to like have anybody, my agent or anybody call Disney and, you know, Disney Studios and say, hey, you know, schmooze Moomy in. <laughs> I, we just didn't live that way. I didn't do it. I just went to the park like anybody else. And boy, when Lost in Space was on the air, I guess I was about 12, suddenly I found myself in the middle of Disneyland with thousands of kids going, it's Will Robinson, running at me. And that was uh, that was eye-popping. That was kind of like, are you kidding me? And then you get that nervous laughter of like, ha, 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 this is funny, but I'm running away from a crowd of <laughs> kids who are chasing me, and I don't know where to go. <laughs> and like I a ran, beetle, like a beetle. I ra- well, for a, for a few seconds, yes. <laughs> and I, I ran into the fire department on Main Street at Disneyland and kind of said, hey, <laughs> I'm a little nervous <laughs> right now. And they were like, oh, yeah, we get it. Okay, well. So uh, it did happen a few times. Just wow. When I was in Sean Cassidy's band in 1978, I was a guitar player, a rhythm guitar player in Sean Cassidy's band when when he was had sold 10 million records in two years. And we played sports arenas every single night. And when you say being like a Beatle, that was, forget about the music, it was good. It was a really good band with some great musicians. But that kind of was like being in the Beatles because 15,000 kids were screaming through the whole show and we'd be we'd dash off into different limos going different ways after the exit of the gig. that was really an experience I'll never forget that was a, a, a real blast and I got to play with Ringo uh, at the Greek theater uh, that was a real treat too what a career I mean think about it it's just ongoing and Bill Moomy is the voice that you're hearing 
And again, you know him from all the sci-fi iconic moments that he's had in his career. Lost in Space, of course, and the Twilight Zones and whatever. But Bond Five from, years on Babylon 5 as an yeah, alien. Right. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Right. But I didn't even know about the Sean Cassidy gig. I mean, that's unreal. Yeah, that was a, I've known Sean since he was a little boy. I made a movie with his mother when I was like eight or nine, and, and uh, we kind of stayed in contact. And then Sean and I became... He's like three and a half years younger than me. But when he became, you know, we became friends and then he became a rock god. And he said, you know, you want to be in the band? And I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and oh, well, my God, was that an interesting summer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's terrific. And you have the foresight or the lack of ego to be able to do that. I mean, you know, to play rhythm guitar in a band means, look, I'm not the singer. I'm not the front man. I'm backing Sean. You know, for a guy in your position, I think that says a lot about you. You know, you know how to be a team player. 1978, I mean, that's people are still running after you probably in, in Disneyland at certain moments, right? In 1978. Um, well, you know, I, yeah, I guess. But uh, I, I'm glad I didn't turn that off or no, down. Believe that's me. great. That was crazy. Yeah, but good for you. Bill Moomy, once again, is our very special guest, Frank McKay, here. If you are just joining us, just another reminder, you're listening to Breaking It Down. Very importantly, though, Bill Moomy is our very special guest. His live album is out, and I'm going to ask him. I just had a senior moment for a non-senior here as the name of the album, but everyone's got The album it. is uh, it's called Bill Moomy with Dave Perlman in concert. It's on Global Recording Artist label, and, you know, you can find that. Go to BillMoomy.com or Amazon or whatever you got. You know, music is such a ephemeral thing these days to, to get. But it's available physical as a CD. It's available, you know, streaming and all that stuff. So not vinyl, that's out right? there. Is it vinyl? No, the, 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 the Moomy album is not available in vinyl. The new Barnes & Barnes Holidays in Lumania album is definitely available in vinyl or CD. Um, but uh, How does it feel... Going back to Bonds and Bonds, because you don't, it's not steady. You know, you kind of go back, when you get there, and when you start working together and start working on it with your twin, right, with your twin brother, yeah. when you start doing it, does it feel like you never left, or does it feel like, wow, this has been a while, is it foreign, or does it feel like you've never left? It, it, no, it feels like you never stopped. It's, it's a very natural and uh, reflexive, autonomic kind of process. Um, you know, the thing that's very um, liberating about working with Barnes and Barnes is, you know, we're coming, it's like spinal tap. You know, you're, you're writing from a character's perspective, so there's no limit. There's no chains around you that say, oh, you can't do that, that's in bad taste. Or, more interesting to me, because we always take our, our tracks, creating our tracks, you know, the music extremely seriously. Uh, we all always play differently when we're recording with Barnes and Barnes because we'll we'll say, well, what, what if we used a hair dryer, <laughs> you know, for a, a rhythm instrument, or what if we used a drill, or instead of just playing that Telecaster through this, why don't you run it through this and then that? It's just more adventurous. It's it's uh, I won't say it's better. But it's definitely different, and it's, it is liberating to be coming from not – this is not a Bill Moomy project. This is a Barnes & Barnes project. So I can be in another universe, in, a, in, in essence, and uh, really go for it in ways that uh, I would probably be restrained if I were doing it under my own 
you know, my own name as a solo project. It's fun. And we do it every, you know, maybe 10 years now. I mean, we, uh, sometimes, I mean, we made like eight albums in a row during the 80s and early 90s. And, and then we just kind of went on these long hiatuses. And, and it's fun to go back to it. And it's, again, it's very natural. And it, you know, it's fun. Was I right about Fish Heads? That was one of the first, was that the first yes. week of MTV? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Dr. Demento, the, uh, if you remember, Dr. Demento had a globally yeah. syndicated uh, show. I had him and, on the show uh, a couple times, yeah, Dr. Demento. Yeah, great, great guy. Yeah. And um, he broke Fish Heads for us. And then um, we made the Fish Heads film, little 16 millimeter film with Bill Paxton, who was pretty much directing it and, yeah. and starring in that. And then Billy took it to Saturday Night Live got it on Saturday Night Live right away and they ran it twice and then um, MTV was just coming into being and MTV uh, jumped all over Fish Heads and Rolling Stone named it uh, the 57th top video of all you know music video of all time and Fish Heads is you know it's gosh it's like 40 years old now but you know it's been on the simpsons it's been on commercials it's been it fish heads has been very good to us <laughs> yeah, well, but that was our our kind of leap from obscurity to <laughs> fame <laughs> let me just say it again i mean i said it before and i'm not kidding i mean what a career i mean really what a career you've put together from the age of six right or five i don't know what time yeah it started but from that point to currently and still going strong bill mummy and dave perlman live you can get that album i'm sure it's terrific but the album i love and i hope people could still get it is dying to be heard and the title track is dynamite and, and the ballad of william robinson right if i'm remembering that correctly i have yeah, that here somewhere. if i look around i got i have that album here i love it and well no home should be without <laughs> no no home should be without bill mummy but get this new one him with dave perlman from poco and so many other projects we Really, just get this album and, and give it to folks for Christmas. And the Bonds and Bonds album, get that. And he's yeah, right. Thank you, Frank. It's very nice of you. I appreciate that. Um, get ready for the season two of Lost in Space coming on Netflix. I think that'll be a, a very uh, entertaining 10 episodes that's coming out. And uh, I'm also a producer on the Ancient Aliens television series, which is starting our 13th season and there's some very interesting subjects being discussed on ancient aliens with a lot of uh by a lot of people who have a, a valid reason to think what they think so check that out too i mean can you give a hint on that or that'll spoil it you're kind of like bound to secrecy on ancient aliens because i know a lot of people listening here watch it and uh you know i'm one of them right but do you have anything you could tease on that uh Gort Klatu Barada Nikto. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I'm going to let you go. Just last question. What else besides what we've touched on do you have going on? And what, I mean, as if you need anything else on your plate. Your daughter, I know you work with your daughter, and I saw a documentary with you, you know, working with her as an actress. Do you have a set schedule? Is it rock solid? Or do you have some, I don't know, fluidity to it? Do you have some kind oh, there's of... Oh, there's a lot of fluidity to it. You know, I mean... I've been a, uh, in professional entertainment a long time, right? 60 years. So, no, at this point in time, I, I you know, I, I work on Ancient Aliens and the Lost in Space Season 2 thing is in the can now. Uh, Angela Cartwright and I have a book called Lost and Found in Space. 
snippets out regarding our experience filming the old television series. Um, I'm making music. I'm playing gigs. Uh, and I have a, a one-year-old granddaughter. Um, I've wow. been married to my wonderful wife for 33 years. Everything's good. You know, I can't complain. Just Maybe. carrying on and doing the best I can and canning the best I do. Listen, Bonds and Bonds and Bill Moomy and Dave Perlman live. These are must-gets. Everyone's got to get the book with Angela. That's got to be fascinating. And watch Lost in Space and Ancient Aliens. It's like, is there anything else? You know, I mean, wow, what a plateful you got. Listen, congratulations on a 60-year career. Congratulations on a 30-plus-year marriage. I don't know what's more impressive, a Hollywood marriage that's last that long or a career that's going 60 years and still going strong. Um, both of them. Congratulations on everything, Bill Moomy, and thrilled to have you here you too frank thanks for having me on the show and uh i had a real good time way to go thanks bill my pleasure cheers and to everyone out there we want to thank you for tuning in bill moomy has been our very special guest again you know his work from lost in space and the twilight zone and so many other things but bonds and bonds get the album they're very creative and just very funny and very creative he and his twin brother you just got to check out the whole concept and it's more than fish heads it's every 10 years or so they put out an album but get bill moomy and Dave Perlman, and get the live album, and get two of them. Get one for yourself, and then give one out as a gift. But get this album. Trust me, you'll thank me for it. Dying to be heard. It is dynamite. It is absolutely dynamite. And it was his first solo album, and the title track is just great. But everything on it is terrific. A real terrific musician. A very talented guy. Bill Moomy, once again, so much more than Lost in Space. His music, he's a you know multi-instrumentalist. Uh, again, Frank McKay here, urging everyone, get the album with Dave Perlman, you know, pedal steel guitar, he's terrific, and you know his work from Poco, and again, we'll see you all next time. Bill Moomy has been our very special guest. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. In many ways, Long Island is the story of America. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island is definitely the place for you. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Noah Reed. You know him as Patrick from Schitt's Creek and so many other things. But today, Talking about an album, his third album, uh, Adjustments. And uh, it's it's a must-get, everyone. It's out today. Uh, you can get it today, and uh, I urge everyone to get this. Uh, he's terrific. Noah, how are you? I'm good, man. Thank you very much. It's nice to be here. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, how does this differ from the first two? You know, this record just feels, uh, I think... Um, well, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it, it, it feels like it, it comes out of this pandemic era, a time when, you know, um, Schitt's Creek had ended and I wasn't sure what was coming up after that. And a pandemic was right around the corner. And, um, you know, these songs all come from that uh, a perspective of the shifting landscape we've all been uh, in in the last couple of years. And, 
you know, I think musically it feels a little bit more textural, a little bit more exploratory. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of this thing. And, and I think it's, you know, it's an accumulation of, of, you know, things I've learned with my, my producer and friend, Matthew Barber in the studio over the last couple of album cycles. And, and this one just feels like, you know, we, we hit some kind of sweet spot. I'm, I'm really thrilled with this record. I, I think you should be. I've been listening, and it, 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 listen, it's just a, a terrific work. Um, let me ask you this, and you mentioned shifting, you know, and uh, as uh, as you grow and, you know, you, you evolve, right? I mean, so the, uh, the first album is this, second album is this. I, do, you, do you feel much different than you did on the, on the first album musically or uh, as far as where you are? Do you, do you see things the same way that you saw it on the first album? I mean, I think you always kind of have your your whatever your core set of of given circumstances is, and your your take on, you know, your your sound, your voice. Um, but you know, when I made my first record, I I didn't I I had I had very little information. We went in and recorded in two days, everything live off the floor. It was a pretty uh, pretty like uh, quick process. Um, and, you know, I wasn't sure quite where my musical journey was going at that point or, or a lot of other things in my life. And, um, you know, going into the studio for the second one, I, I knew I wanted to have a little bit more time. I wanted to, you know, have a, a broader sound, a bigger sound. And a lot of the songs were a little bit more, you know, hopeful, a little bit more romantic. And this third one feels like it's, you know, a, it's sort of a combination of, of all of these things, you know, bringing together a, a great band with, with intention around sound and how to fill that world out and you know some of the the, the songs that that come from different kinds of perspectives and different different time periods of of the past couple of years and um yeah i i don't know i think i think probably i've just grown as a as an artist and, and understood a little bit more you know with intention what i want to be putting out um and uh, and you grow together with with your collaborators too, and, and understand each other, find that shorthand together. I, you know, I'm I'm certain that fans of Shit Creek, uh, Shit's Creek is going to, uh, they're they're going to follow you, and they are uh, checking you out, and they meld with your other uh, fans and so forth. What about crew and and cast members? Uh, is there anybody in particular that's taken a real interest? in your career are there are you finding collaborators either on this set or or in the acting world that are reaching out and saying hey no i didn't you know i i didn't know i didn't know you played like this i didn't know you wrote like this um are you getting any of that oh sure i mean you know it's it's uh, the artistic community is a, is a really uh, supportive world I, you know i remember when i put my first record out and i had just started on Shit's creek and dan levy came and came showed up to my album release show and um you know i mean it, it's uh it, most people who are involved in the arts are involved in more than one branch of it i find and um you know doing doing this is something that i've, I've always kind of done you know mostly for myself um but uh but it's amazing how many people are are you know musicians or who played growing up or who have written songs or who paint or who quilt or do something else you know it's um it can be a a, a slog to be involved in the entertainment industry and some people you know we, we find it useful to uh, to have another offshoot of, of creativity to kind of regulate some of the downtimes and um that's what music has been for me and and now it's you know it's created a whole other pathway to to uh share my perspective and and you know write down my 
sell my thoughts and feelings, if you will. Noah Reed is the voice that you're hearing, and uh, the album, his third album, is Adjustments. Please get it. It's out as we speak. Frank McKay here, so much more importantly, Noah Reed is our very special guest. Uh, Noah, with uh, with things being what they are in the modern world, you know, uh, uh, do you have a, a Pro Tools set up in your house or a uh, Cubase? A lot? Uh, do you wake up in the middle of the night and can you just go right to recording, or are you you more traditional? Pop into a studio. Yeah, I think I'm a little more old school. You know, I, I, I've never been much of a, a tech music guy. I, I don't really understand gear or anything yeah. that plugs in. I I like sitting down at the piano or, or picking up the guitar and, you know, working it out and then getting into a room full of musicians who are far more talented than I am and, you know, filling out the sound. And, and, and you know, when you get into a, a, a studio with a band that's, you know, as talented as the one I got to play with, they're able to, to fill out these songs in, in ways you could never have imagined um, and, and really fill pockets in, that you didn't even know existed. So, um, you know, that's that's part of the thrill of, of making music to me. I think, you know, getting a, a getting a band together is like getting a great cast. You you know, you you got to let them contribute in the way that they know how to contribute and, and you know, leave that creative space. It's part of the, the great fun of collaborating musically. Uh, Noah, uh, we'll all be looking out for adjustments. Do you have a uh, a set schedule either for music or, or acting, writing, uh, what have you, or are you uh, are you kind of fluid because of everything else going on? What's the rest of the year look like for you? Yeah, well, I think I've always, you know, I've, I've always been probably more reactive than proactive in, in, in a creative sense. The acting world kind of keeps you on your toes. You never know what opportunity is going to come around the corner. And, you know, music has, has been something I've had to kind of, kind of fit in around that um, really find those, those spaces where it can, you know, take up some time. Um, uh, for, for the rest of this year, you know, I'm, I'm here on, I'm on Broadway right now in a show called the minutes for the next month. And then, uh, you know, expecting the arrival of, of my wife and I are expecting the arrival of our first child and wow. in August. And so, uh, you know, we're really trying to pack as much into this year as possible. And, then probably, you know, we'll, we'll hunker down and, and, you know, just, just be at home with the little one for a while. Well, listen, congratulations on everything. Certainly the uh, the arrival, or the soon-to-be arrival. Um, uh, just congratulations on that, but especially your music. We'll be looking out for adjustments. Uh, Noah, give us a website or a social media site where we can follow along with you and the music. Sure. Well, you can get the uh, vinyl or CD at noahreed.com, and you can follow me at, at oldreed.com, O-L-R-E-I-D. Noah, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Noah Reed, Noah Reed from Schitt's Creek fame and, and you know, so many other things. Uh, his third album is upon us and get it as we speak. It's called Adjustments and he plays Patrick on Schitt's Creek, a wildly popular show. That, uh, you know, as so many people uh, love and you can certainly check out uh, Noah's work and you know what it's uh, it's good to talk to somebody who does a lot of things well he's a writer musician uh, of course actor and it's from canada i think he's, yeah he is from canada toronto canada a lot of talent comes from up that way and uh noah reed is uh, is no exception 
and again, check out Schitt's Creek if you haven't if you haven't seen Schitt's Creek. Uh, check it out. And then, by the way, to to any censors, uh, not cursing. Right? You know, Schitt's Creek is a big show. It's spelled differently. It's the name of the uh, <laughs> name of the characters, right? Schitt's Creek um, town. S C H I T T S. Right? Uh, apostrophe has Creek. And of course, a play on words there. Uh, Frank McKay signing off. Noah Reed has been our very special guest. Get his new album. It's his third, and it's called Adjustments. Adjustments. And uh, you could hear some, uh, real, uh, listen, really good work. Check out the first two. I don't know the first two. I've just been listening uh, to uh, excerpts or, or songs, individual songs from this one. But uh, check out Noah Reed's work. Uh, Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com.